listening to the Future of Enterprise podcast, and I'm your host, Vaughn Hintrell. This show examines how disruptive forces, business, and cultural shifts are altering how we live and work, forcing businesses to compete and address these demands. Join us as we explore how to shift and compete to take advantage of these new opportunities while exploring the future of work, careers, business, in HR management and technology. Today, we're speaking with Paula Whitfield, the COO and managing partner of Hunter Burton Consulting on operations. We'll go through all you need to know about operations and how to use a variety of business strategies, technology, and core skills to develop solutions that fulfill performance and profit goals. So thanks for joining us, Paula. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on. This operations is so critical, uh, especially in today's climate. And I know with your years of experience, you're going to have a whole lot to share with our listening audience today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Um, you know, small business, medium business, we're just the core of this uh, growth that's going on in this economy. So it's important to have the tools and resources that we need to be successful. So if I can share a couple of nuggets that help your your um, viewers, I'm excited about it. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Okay, great. Um, I have been, pretty much been an entrepreneur all my life. <laughs> so from the time that uh, I was young and had a lawnmower business with my brothers and sold vegetables on the side of the road all the way up through, I've always uh, had that interest um, in entrepreneurship. Um, I went to Howard. And uh, it's interesting that Howard, my mom had given me like this portable little uh, water filter and ended up selling water to some All of right. my friends. So, uh, so I've always just had that knack for uh, for business. And I've worked in corporate America for over 20 years, um, and then uh, and worked in areas of finance, business intelligence, technology, and you know technology solutions, and seemed to always work at more of the C-suite level, just really helping the leaders to understand metrics, KPIs, and how they work and, and picking the right KPIs to, to better uh, forecast the business. Um, worked with dealers over for over 10 years, helping them to improve their performance, putting together performance improvement programs for them. And uh, just that helps me to really hone in on that more entrepreneurial portion of the work. I'm very excited now that uh, officially in 2016, I launched my consulting business. So I've been working with uh, businesses to help them just build capacity and, and, and help them with operations. So there's a lot of people out there have great ideas, but do not have that operational exper expertise to really launch a business, uh, sustain a business, and, and to scale a business. So you know, just very excited that um, I also own my own franchise as well. <laughs> just 
it's a lot's happened through the through the course of the past two years with COVID and everything. I've had health issues and and those things, but you know, with a strong family behind me, my husband, I have two boys, nine and eleven. I was not only able to launch my franchise, but I finished my MBA at LSU Shreveport. I concentrated on entrepreneurship and family enterprise because that's kind of been you know the companies I've worked for. They've been large companies, but they've been really family centric companies, and so it, it really kind of elevated my knowledge, honed my skills. And so I really appreciate that experience. Well, that's awesome. You have uh, just a a wide breadth of experience. And I think, as you said, starting your own business gives you an opportunity to use all of your skills uh, to help your clients, regardless of the company size. And then your franchise, you know, with what you're doing there. So you're really building this really great, I think, enterprise for yourself, right. you know, what we always do for others, there's an opportunity now for you to walk through that door to build that operations, that wealth for yourself. And so that's exciting and leaving a right. legacy uh, for your family. And that was interesting. You were, you were sharing with us about finance, business intelligence, metrics. And one of the things that we're seeing a lot is introduction of AI and artificial intelligence and things like that. And I've seen a lot of various softwares and technologies that are coming out where large enterprises are using it and really being able to take advantage of it. And then there's starting to be even more introduction to smaller businesses. And so this whole business intelligence, having a really good understanding of what's happening in your business operations is critical, real time, real data, uh, KPIs and forecasting. So if you don't have a goal of where you're going, definitely KPIs and forecasting are going to be something that businesses are going to want to make sure, especially in this time, you know, that they have those things in place. And you mentioned you honed in on the entrepreneur. Uh, tell me a little bit about or some examples of disruption where seeing these things in business in terms of trends. So as far as as software and technology is concerned, there's more data out there than there ever has been. And a lot of these companies are, smaller companies are maybe utilizing this data. And disruption occurs where, so for example, I work with a surgeon's practice that uh, had a spa attached to it. There's a lot of more single, um, they're seeing a trend where there's a lot of companies that are coming online that are doing one thing. They may be doing laser hair removal. They may be doing um, just one service uh, as a part of it instead of doing the conglomerate of services. And this is in in various industries. And that's what the disruption is, is that these uh, lower key players are coming in the market using data because, you know, there's consumer data everywhere. They're buying all this consumer data. And so they're having kind of the keys to the castle because whoever has the data rules the world, okay? And so um, a lot of the bigger companies have access to all this data to be able to make decisions about, you know, next steps, products, trends, and things of that nature. Smaller companies, um, a lot of them don't have it. And, and, and they, they do need it so they understand where they're going. Um, I recommend that uh, if there's an industry that, you, that these companies are in, a lot of these industries, their societies or their groups 
are getting all this data together and accessing that data to say, you know, what's going on in my specific industry? You know, am I on track to, you know, with the products and services that I'm offering, am I on track for the next 10 years based on what they're forecasting? Or is there something that's coming on the market that I may need to shift in my business to move forward? Am I working in, what are all the segments within my industry? And where am I? Is my segment growing? Is it not growing? Do I need to bring in an expertise that may help me to grow in this new area that's going to be exploding? So I definitely lead with data and with all of my clients, whether that's financial data, because, of course, we all know the financial markets now are changing. And right now, if you're trying to do something new in your business, expand your business, now would be the time to make sure you secure whatever funding that you may need because those interest rates are going up. Um, And so all of this is strategic and works hand in hand. The data, how you utilize the data, how you forecast your business, how you make changes and how you disrupt your own business so that you can move forward and survive because decision-making is happening fast. Right. And you mentioned something around data and uh, having access to data. And do you find that a lot of, you mentioned larger companies having the keys to get access to the data and maybe having the resources, I would even add, with personnel, finances, to be able to analyze that data and put it in a way that will allow them to be able to strategically put things together to move forward. Smaller businesses don't necessarily, I'm not even sure that some business owners really understand the importance of data and then Mm -mm. how to access the data or the right data. And I think those are maybe three things that small businesses really can leverage, which make a lot of sense to me, especially dealing with a lot of businesses on the HR end. Uh, Data is definitely really important. But share with us a little bit about smaller businesses and then access to data. Because if you don't have the finances, maybe there's some, depending on the stage of the business, they may have more financial means to get access to that. But what are some maybe nuggets or things you can share with the smaller business owners? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, What I recommend for the smaller business owner is, as I mentioned previously, um, a lot of your industry um, societies or um, that support your specific area. So so if you're in a software um, area, in your, let's say you have a Salesforce, I have a Salesforce partner and they're able to access their smaller company, but they're able to look to Salesforce to access data from Salesforce. Um, I have another partner, as I mentioned, in more of the surgical area, there is specific Metaspa and aesthetics data that they can access from their industry partner. I have another that is in IV hydration and things. There's, there's a partner that they have because these industries pull down data um, so that they would be able to access it. The issue comes in is having the personnel that's able to articulate that data into the small business to say, hey, this may be a direction that you want to go. So one is networking. Okay, a lot of um, entrepreneurs and business owners don't like to leave their business because they're too busy working in their business. They're not working on their business. And so networking and talking to and partnering with other business owners who are maybe doing the same thing that you're doing or in that industry 
and getting nuggets of information from them is helpful. And, uh, and, and, and learning who in that industry could potentially help them also accessing a consultant <laughs> is, is helpful and the right consultant that has the, to, the, the uh, competencies. And, and that's understanding that that's getting into another area is what are the competencies that are required in your business? And what are the things that you currently have and what are your deficits? Um, understanding what that is and being able to access the people to do that. A lot of times I'll tell people is that what is it costing you not to have this resource? Right. So competencies are knowledge, skills, abilities yes. that you need to acquire in your personnel to be able to effectively do the things that you're, Absolutely. you're saying. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's it, every, um, I go in and do strategy all the time and it all leads back to personnel. It, it, it always leads yeah. back to personnel system process um, it, it, and having the competencies that you need. And, and, uh, and, and I, I'm just really a proponent of, you know, Hey, list out all your competencies based on what you, what, what do you, what do you need? And then let's create these job roles based on what you need. And that goes to that building capacity that you mentioned. Yes, yes. I mean, building, it always routes back to needing capacity because a lot of the owners are, like I say, working in their business, not on their business, because they're like, okay, I can do this, I can do that. But while you're doing these things, opportunities are passing you by. Things that, you know, you as a CEO should be looking ahead on. You can't do that when you're looking in your business. You can't be out there networking, finding out what's the, what are, what is the trend? What's the next best thing? What is every, where, where is this thing going? And you find that out by networking, going to your industry meetings um, and things of that nature. You, you have to make the investment to go because you learn so much to bring back to your own business um, to move forward. Yes. And, and one of the things that, I always share with clients is that even for smaller businesses, because my company handles business and management consulting in the HR and talent management arena. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the small business owners start businesses, leave corporate America, and they're really good at their functional job, that technician part of their job. And they don't have the skill set to be able to effectively do the full capacity or full life cycle of what it really means to own a business, right? So they do one part really well, maybe not documented in terms of knowledge management that you know are in their head. Right, right. To, to be able to, when they acquire personnel, let them know this is the way to do it. And, and, and I think all of that goes with building capacity. And for those who don't understand what building capacity is what is building capacity in a business i always it's structure okay it's it's uh you know number one do you have a good foundation okay first and then once you have a good foundation means people process technology in your business you have a good business development process a way to bring in clients put them through a sales funnel, potentially uh, put them through a process of, you know, basically your whole customer success process. Then from there, you want to build on that to increase your profitability because that's what you get into business for is to increase your profitability. And that's when we're talking about to scale or increase your capacity, meaning that um, you may be ready. Your, your business is increasing. 
okay? Because I have one business that I'm working with, and they're just like, if somebody else calls and wants to order, gets get something, they can't handle it right now because they're at capacity. Their, um, you know, developers are at capacity. Their, you know, their project people are at capacity. And so what capacity means is bringing on more individuals, headcount, or resources to be able to do the work. Or it may be, a, hey, I'm at capacity because I don't have the right technology or tools to do, to do the work I need to do. My processes are not where they need to be to handle the next level of work. So it could be it's people, it's the process, it's the technology. So which is it that is affecting you being able to go to the next level or be able to take on more work or projects? And I will tell you that that's not just something that is for small business. As we debrief as an organization, uh, we do recruiting, executive search. That is one of the themes that I see in the reports that come from my team. You know, as we say, what's happening? You know, why are people signing up for our networks? What What are you hearing? And a lot of it is around capacity in the roles that these larger organizations really want to have all of this work done, but don't have the necessary infrastructure of people in place to really support these projects. And I always would like to make sure people understand as our listening audience that if you work for a small business, we know that that's a challenge and you're a worker. And if you work for a larger organization, that's a worker. But it all still leads back to the operations, the strategic operations component of the business. And that really kind of leads to leadership. Uh, and so that kind of leads me to my next question. What are some maybe key takeaways that companies or business leaders may use to overcome these drivers and challenges in the workplace. And I know some of the things that in your Hunter Burton consultant, you guys deal with the environment, how to move the workplace forward. Can you share with us a little bit about what that looks like? It, it's and it's every things are changing so rapidly, especially with this new gig economy. Um, where uh, people are like, oh, I don't have to come into an office or I can, you know, you have all these people with all of these skill sets that have left corporate America, okay? Great skill sets and that are doing work so that they can have the flexibility at home or flexibility to do what they, they want to do. So I, I talk to my companies about you, you have to listen first, to your workforce and your people. And you have to be honest with them about what the needs of the company are from the standpoint of, of workforce. And so transparency from leadership becomes very important during these times because if you're being transparent, people will gravitate towards you because there's a sense of loyalty, there is a sense of commitment that you're having to them. Because right now, employees finding are just like me, and just like you started your own company, they want some want it's not for everyone. So they want to be with a company. So getting back to my companies, I am talking to them more so because we have a couple of roles at different companies that are becoming difficult to fill because people have many choices as far as, as where where they're going to go. 
I talk to them about uh, making sure that benefits packages are um, in place and, and not just for an individual, but for where you want to go in the future. Because I, I had a couple of companies that just, you know, put some things in place. They were smaller businesses. They're growing so fast. And it's just you've got to put things in place that the employee needs. Having retreats, because I have several companies that are totally remote. But, I mean, people always say they want to have these remote jobs, but then they still need that water cooler connection with uh, people. And so um, how do you bring in uh, maybe consultants that provide like emotional intelligence type of uh, consulting to really, because uh, because I think this is a question of culture um, and the culture shift. And so how do you create a culture where people's voices are heard, you accomplish what you need, however, you're able to keep longer term employees because that's just not happening in this day and age. It's just those 20 and 30 year employees they're they're not there and so you just have to be prepared of of what and then this also leads me to when I was working on my MBA at LSU and thinking back on my career and positions that I had I was always an intrapreneur okay in my job and because I was an entrepreneur I looked back I put in legacy systems in the company I made radical change at the companies because I was more of a risk taker. Um, I thought outside of the box. Um, that's my personality. I'm a ENTP. I'm an extrovert and, you know, into intuition and all of those Myers-Briggs. That's what I do. And I think these companies, there has to be a balance of you having these entrepreneurs in your business to grow your business and to see things that others won't see. There needs to be a balance, and that's where that diversity of uh, workforce comes in, is how do I create not just a, um ethnically diverse workforce, but how do I create this workforce that's diverse in talent and skills? Because everyone's needed. That person that is needed that's going to just work nine to five and just do the day-to-day -day -day is needed. And then you also need those think-outside-of-the-boxers that are going to just do that. And so I really work with my team on not trying to hire somebody that, fits their current culture, but who fits your future culture? And and that's it. Because, you know, as we know, you hire people that are like your current culture and, oh, they don't fit in the culture. And no, that's great that they don't because you need to disrupt and shake things up. Yes, that's definitely true. And when you started out talking, I started thinking about emotional intelligence. So when you said that, I'm like, yes, <laughs> that's what that yes. is. Uh, I wrote an article on that. And, and I tell you that bringing people in, how you bring them in, and giving them the opportunity to use their skills, their knowledge and abilities to help your organization, those KSAs we call them, or competencies as well, to really do what they do best, right? Mm -hmm. and, and a really good leader is not a micromanager. You're bringing in strong talent. You're bringing people who are experts at what they do, expert technicians, mm -hmm. and they want to be given the freedom to do their role at the level of excellence, let's say that, that they do their work and be able to position the company uh, in a way to help it meet its goals. And I think that part of the exit that we're seeing 
is that most people today realize that they can do better by themselves, okay, on their own and not in <laughs> a corporate environment with all of the constraints, all of the non really healthy work life balance things that happen there. So they would rather go out on their own and maybe take a little bit less money, but have peace of mind, have the opportunity mm -hmm. to work on smaller projects, potentially build their own capacity to do the things that they enjoy. Because regardless of what people say, we've always had disruptions in the workforce, disruptions in business. But what we're seeing with COVID and these emergencies and disasters, the wars, and you know, if these things continue to grow, there's going to be these eruptions that take place and people are going to have to decide what's most important for them and for leaders in these organizations, business owners, uh, corporate executives, supervisors, and managers, emotional intelligence is going to be really key to having transparency, honest conversations. And if people don't know what emotional intelligence is, I say, Hey, let me Google that for you. Go look that up. There's a lot of really good information out there because you have to have that. You can't be leading in a box if you want to really have a hybrid workforce. You know, you want to have people who work from home, you have blended teams. Like you said, maybe you have a workforce that everyone is remote. How do you engage? those individuals? How do you transfer knowledge? One of the things I was reading in your profile was that you deal a lot with learning and development of people. So transferring of knowledge, how can you get the best out of staff using L&D and trying to build capacity? Over my years of uh, working, even in corporate America, I think when you find somebody who's willing to learn, and, and somebody who's, who's hardworking, you can always train them on other functional areas. But that core, at their core, if they have uh, people skills that could move them into those higher level leadership positions, you know, based on, you know, maybe going through a Myers-Briggs and, you you know, figuring out, you know, what is their personality? What do they gravitate toward? I think development of people. So people are who they are and their motivations are what they are. And so you quickly identify, okay, this person, you know, has a skill set where I could see them leading a group of people. Um, so functionally starting to identify those people and put them through trains from a corporate perspective, you know, that's a, uh, that route would be uh, a little easier to do. From a uh, smaller business type of perspective, taking a look at what, what your needs are. We were I get involved in some of the final interviews just to help with my business owners with, you know, hiring uh, people. They're just like, hey, I'm about to hire this person. You know, I just want you to take a look at them, talk to them, see what you think. And, um, you know, recently did that and saw that this person had like background and operational uh, experience. And that's not the functional area that they were hired for. But where we're going is going to require somebody that has this functional and the, these core competencies. And so, um, so I think as a smaller business, um, looking beyond what you need right now to what you'll need in the future, 
um, and being able to say, what can I do to develop this person um, to what I may need in the future? Because as a small business owner, your goal is to how can I move toward working on my business and be able to leave the business and maybe go on vacation? You know, how, how do I get to that place where this business is on autopilot and I am just really moving the needle on future development? And that is you so developing your staff. What types of services are available to, um, to support small business uh, with operations or businesses with operations uh, that may not have the... Uh, we're talking still a lot about capacity or resources and people. Yeah, uh, you know, um, it, being here in Houston, it, it's really amazing. There's a lot of uh, organizations that are doing cohorts, and um, I recommend that. I'm, I'm in a, I'm actually in a cohort with waste management, and they're bringing experts on to work with you monthly on different areas. <clears throat> so I recommend uh, that going to the small business uh, uh, development centers and, you know, hey, here's an area of op- uh, area that I'm not as strong in. And are there some classes that I can take? Or, you know, I have a, a, an employee that I'm, you know, really excited about, but I think they need training in this area. Just think of how much they w- the employee would appreciate that and, you know, how much you would benefit from it. And so going to the local community college, because a lot of community colleges have small business development programs or have core functional skills that can be developed in, in that way. Um, if, if possible, um, bringing um, a person, somebody in to do some, some work with, uh, um, you know, I thought it was really uh, on the retreat that um, I recently attended with one of my teams. We had a... Um, a uh, HR professional come in and do the Myers-Briggs assessment and really walk through it. And I think that really helped the team to understand why certain team members, you know, gravitate towards certain things or in meetings, how I need to interact with people. And so, um, you know, that may be a little more expensive for those companies who are, you know, under a million in sales or things of things of that nature that are just in that growth stage. So I definitely think um, small business development, um, these certification programs are really good because, like I say, the certification programs force you to network. And and so as you're as you're networking, so approaching them, I know that uh, the Houston Urban League is doing a lot with small business development here in Houston. And uh, so there's just there's a lot of grant money, a lot of programs out there that are being being developed. And so I think getting out of your business to network, I know city of Houston has a huge uh, small business development center, and they put on various programs. Your chamber is a great place to go as well. Uh, the chambers, um, just for the networking and, and finding other business owners who are doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, what are the training that they're bringing into their business and putting a budget in place for it. Um, and, and putting a budget in place for, hey, here's how much I'm going to spend on training for individuals, and here's how I'm going to do well, here's what I'm going to do with my team. I may bring a consultant in just to, you know, share some information and knowledge with my team on, you know, change management because I've I've done prosi change management before, and a lot of times people try to just throw change on their team, and it's just like, are they prepared for this change? 
And that disrupts a lot when, when that we know this change needs to come, but that goes back to the leadership transparency, putting the process in place, putting the people in place to make sure that the transition, you know, at least goes 50 percent well, <laughs> because we know, in, in that, we know it's never. You know, it's never a hundred percent, but um, but as it, it's just a difference between what a small business owner would do and a larger company would do. A larger company is just going to bring emotional intelligence consultants in to work directly with their groups. They're going to bring change management consultants in that can just you know work with their groups and get these things done. As a small business, you have to be a little bit more tactful as far as you know how can I, at depending on what level of growth I am in my business, work with these local chapters and things to 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 uh, get some training and development. Yeah, and that's really good. I think in terms of consultants, uh, there there are so many great tools. Um, We always advise some of our smaller companies around assessments of individuals. That there's some really, if you can't afford a consultant, um, there's some really great tools online that businesses can purchase to have people do the assessments Mm -hmm. themselves and give you the output and give you information on where you need to coach the person just based off of how they respond to questions. So there's a lot of really other great resources that based on this, the stage of your business that companies, um, we always say can, can utilize. I mean, that's kind of our expertise from the HR coming from that perspective. There's also what we've been seeing too, organizations coming to us to kind of almost stand in the gap where they may have people going out on long-term leave, where we provide HR consultants to work with them so that they don't lose a level of skill or experience in their organization. There's no bumps or hiccups. It's a seamless transition from the person going out. So we have supplied consultants to work for a predetermined amount of time to really help them in their infrastructure. Tell me a little bit about, you know, are there roles that you've seen people maybe outsource as a business to bring in that type of support, like the fractional COO? Yes, yes. Um, And I think a lot of people don't know that exists. Um, because a lot of uh, businesses that I work with, you know, they're growing, they're doing great, but they may not be at the point where they could bring in a full-time chief operations officer, somebody who's very strategic or a chief marketing officer because they need to pull together more of a marketing and branding positioning strategy. And so uh, it's very valuable because uh, what you're receiving is a lot of these people have come from corporate America and have been working with businesses um, and using pretty much a fraction of their time. And so they used to be full-time in corporate America, but they may manage, you know, four to five businesses um, and that that uh, they come in and they in pretty much embed themselves into the business. And that's what we do. Um, I have a leadership position with several companies. And so I'm on their leadership committee and I'm functioning as more of a chief operations officer because they're all working in the business. They need somebody more strategic that's being able to, hey, take a look at opportunities. What are we doing on our team? It, they're, they're being more strategic in that area. Or there's other positions that um, that can come in as a director of operations, director that, that are fractional as well, that do more the functional day-to-day and stand in the gap that, you know, this person, you know, okay, I can't afford to bring in somebody that's $100,000. 
business, but hey, I can afford somebody that's, uh, you know, embedding themselves in our business two days a week if they need to, be, you know, that may come in for $30,000 a year, you know, and they're using a fraction of their time, but they are, um, and in this role, they're more hands-on. It's not like a consultant coach that comes in and say, hey, you guys do all these 25 things and I'll come back and check with you next week. This person actually has a job function, a job role where they're going in and working on bigger project rocks that need to get taken care of and uh, and working in tandem with your team. So they, they become another team member. And so that's what that role is. It's more fractional. It's, you know, consult- consultative, but it's consultative in a way that they're more a part of the team. So how does a, a, a company find a fractional support resource so you can call me (laughs) hunter burton we can um we can definitely help you find this type of resource um to embed in your business it's a very new concept because from a larger company perspective they're more familiar with it because they just use a consultant they bring a consultant in for a project management position. They have a shortfall and they're like, okay, I don't know if this is a long-term role or if this is a short-term role. We just need to bridge the gap. We need to have this functional help. They bring that person in. As a small business, um, you can do the same. Um, and, uh, you know, there's um, HR companies out there, I'm sure, like yourself, that can help them identify um, individuals based on, you know, first thing is, is before this this occurs is that look around, is there anybody in your business that can be groomed to go into that role? And so that's what I always say first, you know, before we go calling and bringing others in, you know, what are we what are we looking at? Has your business changed so that certain roles are not even required anymore because there's a system that has pretty much taken over this role that that person could be shifted into something more, you know, so let's take and do, you know, uh, an analysis of your staff, your roles, do things need to change? And so once that changes, then go back to these um, skill sets that, that's needed and what's what are, what are our deficits, what do we need? Then we can bring someone in because we know what we need at that point to bring that level of expertise in. And then the question is, is that, is this more of a longer term or is this a short term role? Is this a part time role? Because there's a lot of people out there looking for part time work. And and this would give your company um, the edge because um, you go out there and you're able to say, hey, I need somebody who's going to come into the office two days a week. You know, just think of who that would attract and the skill set that would attract because uh, you have these professional professional moms and dads who are like, OK, I need more time with my kids. But I do like the office. So it gives them that hybrid need that they have. So um, I think it's, uh, you know, as you as you well know, Fawn, it's uh, being creative with what can I offer my staff and and what can I do to get what I need for the this future of change. Right. And you had mentioned earlier, I still think uh, community colleges are a great way, a great resource as well. Uh, In addition, like you mentioned, the chamber and other small business development centers. Even we bank women business enterprise yeah. national council, national minority supplier diversity council. I mean, I can rattle these on and on all of these yeah. groups, but they do provide some level of support and assistance resources. And if they don't know, they're a great way to connect to say, "Hey, I've had I've called them uh, on several requests. They didn't have the services mm-hmm. that I was looking for." and the people internally, but they were able to connect me to another organization that was able to fill what it was that I was trying to find. So even in the groups and associations that you are a part of, 
your mm-hmm. industry associations, it's still, even if you hear no, they still may be able to, like they did for us, make a referral to someone or some other organization to get you the answer that you need. To add to that, um, those community colleges are amazing. In the franchise that I own, I have a student in there working with me because I reached out to the community college. And so you're able to give back and also, you know, get a student in there who's, you know, studying a certain field that may be beneficial to you that you could potentially hire once they get through their program. So uh, being in touch with those community colleges is a, or a college nearby is invaluable. Definitely, definitely. And what what do you think in terms of change management for companies that are working with teams, hybrid remote work teams? What does that look like today in terms of operations? Are there any maybe takeaways or things that you can give to them, nuggets that you can provide to help them be more successful in managing a you know diverse workforce? I know. I, I mean, it, it is tough. It, it is because you're managing who gets to stay stay home, who gets to, based on the type of job and, and oh, everybody just needs to come into the office, uh, you know, because this one can't, because their job function is, is that. And so I think it's um, transparency, number one, is, is the key. With those work groups that are more hybrid, figuring out a way to bring everyone together in some way. I'm actually doing some research on that for one of my companies because of, of this new change is, is uh, how do we have those water cooler op- moments? How do we, you know, make sure people can just pop into, because that was, I always, when I worked in corporate America, I learned a lot more when I could just plop down and talk to someone about a project and I just popped into their office. Hey, what's going on? Talked about the weekend. And then I found out more information about the project than being in formal meetings. And a lot of times, you know, I was just talking to one of my clients about that is that if you're calling someone on Zoom with them, you're calling them for something specific. It's never a casual, hey, what's going on conversation where you can get all of that information. And so I think one of the things is uh, how do you put together clusters of maybe two to three of your your workers to say, hey, you all are going to cluster this month and, and just, you know, have offline conversation about here's a list of topics and learn more about each other. And so you're going to have to just pretty much facilitate that to help it to become part of your culture is how do I create those moments of casual conversation? Because offices are now designed for that uh, before we left them. <laughs> where right, the social every, connection piece. The social connection. They're opening offices. You know, everybody had a door. Used to have a door. No one has a door anymore. But now that the shift is, we don't have a door, but we're at home. <laughs> you know, how do you create that that social aspect of it? And and there's technology. Like, you know, I said, uh, Zoom has the technology, and I was talking to them about that. It's just, how do you just kind of maybe have everybody on Zoom, and then you kind of just shift around, put everybody in the, the, the rooms together so that they're just chatting and talking and, and creating that. And so I think just using the technology like the Zoom where people can just interact with each other and not ha- and maybe given a list of time, because some people like me, I can talk off the cuff. Some people need to be prepared and understanding your workforce and some people may not comfortable for them. And so that's a lot about that. So I think if you have a larger organization, really um, reinforcing and fortifying your HR team to include somebody that is a specialist on how can I improve this culture 
when I have a hybrid organization. And then from the smaller organization talking, I potentially bring in a consultant to just really help me to make sure I have the culture because people leave because they don't, you know, they're like, okay, this, this doesn't work for me. And how do you get in front of that and be able to be in touch? And so I think it's important to have somebody who's responsible for making sure the culture uh, meets the need of your future organization and meets the need so that you can retain employees. Thank you, Paula. That was really insightful. We actually have an audience question and it says, how can companies apply the principles of innovation to manage change? So with, um, I mean, innovation does manage change. I mean, it, it goes hand in hand. I mean, that that is is how you you manage manage change. Where I think number one is having that diverse culture of workforce, diversity of, of course, ethnic diversity as well as skill set diversity on your team, and understanding how that works, not just doing it to do it, but doing it intentionally, um, is is how to do that. Innovation is a culture. Innovation is is the way you do things and the way those the way people work and the way that their ideas are received. Okay, and received at all levels. Um, some people, it doesn't mean much for their innovation to be received by just their manager, but to be received by leadership and uh, and acknowledged by leadership. And so, I think creating a culture where how are how does innovation rise to the top, to, so that these ideas are heard, and how do you give people? Because I know at Google they had it where hey, twenty percent of your work time should be spent on you know just your ideas what you want to do. They've been successful at creating various different programs and softwares for Google that wouldn't have been done if they were just going about their day-to-day and doing, hey, here's what leadership's focus is, let's do it. But giving people that space and it being a stated space of, hey, here's where I want you to innovate you know, and, and, and come together. Let's put some cluster teams. I remember I was with a, a company and we had to, I was in business intelligence and we had these dashboard competitions where we had to create KPI dashboards. And a lot of that, the, um, you know, we put some of the McKinsey out of business <laughs> doing these dashboards because, you know, the leadership, they really loved them. And it was able, they were able to just see things in different ways and see perspectives. And it gave your team access to leadership to be able to to get that recognition as well. So I think um, creating a, uh, so diverse of people, I think diverse of culture, and then a way, uh, a way for the company to see, receive the innovation that's occurring. Is there a uh, annual, is there a, a competition annually? Is there a, uh, a program to, that you can put in place for innovation at your company so that people can let their ideas be heard? So I think it's just uh, putting together a system of innovation and a way to display the innovation would be great. Definitely gives our listening audience an opportunity to put some resources and things in place from the bottom all the way to the top to help drive innovation in the organization. That's really something that I think companies can do more of doing a lot of listening walks 
and in hearing because I can tell you I work for an entertainment media company and they use their receptionist at the organization to come up with show ideas. And it was it was really successful. And well we've reached uh the close of our <laughs> our interview and I'm just so excited about all of the information that you shared with us today in reference to operations and how people can really look at managing the disruptions, the challenges and trends that are affecting businesses today, regardless of their size, from small startup organizations, small businesses, medium, large uh, size enterprises. Uh, can you share with us some final thoughts and let our audience know how they can get in touch with you? Thank you so much, Fawn, for um, inviting me onto the program. And uh, my passion is entrepreneurs um, and operations uh, because I understand that a lot of times um, as, as a consultant, it takes more than giving uh, an owner or a leader a checklist. It's, it's a little, it takes a little further than that because typically when I go back, it's never done. <laughs> so um, I find that uh, that if you're able to, from a corporate level or even from a uh, smaller business level, have a thought partner, a consultant come in to really help you to see the things that you, as you're working in your business, and not own your business, don't have time to see, that it, it is valuable. It costs you not to have a thought partner in place. If Let's say that you're a solopreneur and don't have that level of person in your business, that you bring that consultant in just fractionally, part-time, just to say, hey, here's how many, here's a set out many hours a week, a month that I want you come in and, you know, let's put some plans in place of what we can work on. Um, if you're that larger business that has the resources, um, bringing in those resources to really uh, sort of help your business to move into the future, because where it is right now, it will be different. Gig economy, culture, uh, it's all changing everything. Um, if you're going to have innovation, you need a structure to be able to receive that innovation and have that diverse population within your business to be able to give you those ideas and move you to the future. But you can reach me. I'd be loved. I would love to help any of the uh, callers um, who are listening right now um, to help them in their business. I can be reached at www.hunterburtoninc.com. We are Hunter Burton Consulting and uh, we do fractional um, uh, work with, with companies as we insert ourselves into your business. We can do some small group training with your, your teams to just, you know, move and build capacity. That's really my sweet spot. So I, I look forward to hearing from you soon. Yes, that's great information. And we will also have Paula's contact information on the Future Enterprise podcast website page, and you'll be able to connect with her there as well. So that's all for this episode of the Future of Enterprise. I'd like to thank our guest, Paula Whitfield with Hunter Burton Consulting. Uh, Hunter Burton Consulting is headquartered in Houston, Texas. Hunter Burton Consulting is available to assist businesses anywhere regardless of your location. Be sure to sign up to our email list at ascendinggroup.com. Visit our podcast page, Future of Enterprise. 
and follow us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. I am Fawn Hentrell, your host, and thanks for listening.